You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. I got to introduce you guys to my family. They could not be here today because they would take up a whole row. Let me see here. Here we go. Oh, there we go. Oh, he, hey, oh, he. All right, there they go. So this is an older picture, yeah. So that's my wife, Janessa. Now my son doesn't have a shirt on because we do have clothes in our house, but we are taking a picture at the beach and they're actually doing a bit of a photo shoot for some swimwear. So he, uh, true story. To the far left is Simeon. He's 15, freshman in high school. Judah there with the hat to the back. He is a seventh grader. And then we have Eden, fourth grader with the big hair. Elias, who's eight, there is second grader. Selah there in the front, she is a first grader. And then I've got the two littles, they're almost, well, kind of going to school right now. Four-year-old and two-year-old Tobias and Gideon. So we're running out of Bible names, so please (laughs) send me an email after this helping us in case the Lord continues to bless, like my my wife is, is feeling. He will. Our passage today is probably not your typical chapel passage. I I don't know about you. I I think about fasting and I think about some of what the people said to Jesus here. And notice what they said here to kind of start our passage today. They said to him, John's disciples, they often fast and pray. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus is, is really taking a shot. There, people are looking at what Jesus' followers are doing, and they're assuming that they're doing the wrong thing. And the correlation is Jesus must do the wrong thing. Never forget a story I heard once. It was about a dad who was traveling on the airline, and he was traveling with two young children. And people were watching this dad because it was very disconnected from the children. And the children began to play and the, to run around and to jump on laps and begin to do more and more unruly things. And of course, the whispers start going on, what is he doing? What what kind of dad is he? And the idea was that, man, this dad is a horrible dad by the the rumblings in the room. And over the the course of this this conversation and and people talking amongst each other, finally somebody gets up and says, hey, bud, will you get your your kids? And the guy looks at him kind of snarkily and says, man, leave me alone. And he goes and sits back in his seat. And finally, the stewardess comes over and says, sir, you're going to have to get your kids under control. They're beginning to disrupt, not just on the plane. They cannot run around and do some of the things they're wanting to do. And, he, and, and the dad said this. He said, I'm sorry. My wife just died and we're flying home to go and take care of what's left. When I hear that story, I think about really what we just read. People are watching those that are around Jesus, but they're making judgment calls. We all make judgment calls, right? We see something that's happening. We instantly think, oh, I know why so-and-so is doing that. I know why my roommate leaves the trash out. I know why the cafeteria food is bad today. I know why. And we all, all kind of just make snap judgments and, and make assumptions really in the quickly of a second. You guys are talking about story this semester. And really, we're born not just into a story. We're born creating stories. We create stories about other people. I don't know about you. I work with college students or young people long enough. There's a lot of people that don't believe in God because they've made up stories about God based off of what they watch Christians do. 
I'd say the number one question that I, I've done campus ministry for almost well, two decades, two, this year is 20 years. And since God changed my life, he has continued to allow me to get before young people and to share what God has done in my life, but then also to challenge them that God can do the same in your life. But what I, the number one question that comes up is, why do bad things happen to good people? So, so why am I going through suffering and pain and sickness and chaos and calamity? But the number two question is basically, why are Christians so bad? in this case was, was actually creating some distance. People were looking at those that were following Jesus and they were assuming certain things. Now, some of these were right, some of them were wrong. If, if we were clear today, the accusation really is that they were wrong. That the disciples, if they're walking with Jesus, they should be acting a certain way like the Pharisees and like John the Baptist's disciples. They were fasting in such a way that even Jesus hints at it in Matthew 6. He said, when you fast, you shouldn't walk around somber. You shouldn't walk around and, and do things, so to speak, in a way that other people are noticing. You must be fasting. You're looking weak and sickly. You ain't ate nothing, right? See, my question always is, how did they know that they had not been fasting? They, they assumed it basically because they were eating and drinking. I know everybody in here probably has something like an ID card, right? Then some of it will get in some of your buildings. And you know, here's my card for my hotel. And you know, you look at this, it is just a piece of plastic. It looks unassuming. Your ID card that'll get you into different rooms on canvas probably just looks unassuming. But, but let me tell you, this right here actually gets you into somewhere else. This is actually a portal, an access point for you to step into something that you could not otherwise. And I'm here to tell you that fasting is the same way today. Jesus is the same way today. You see, what God is, is wanting me to communicate to you today is that God really wants to offer you some access that maybe you've never taken advantage of or ever pulled out your pocket. You say, why? Because number one, because fasting and some of the things Jesus talks about are hard. It's not something you roll out of bed and go, you know what, this is a great idea. To, I mean, I got three meals coming up, probably 24 snacks if you're like me in college. Raymond nights at 11.59, I got to get the Raymond noodles in. But I mean, you're, you're, you're thinking through your day, and if you're like me, you're, you're thinking about all the meals along the way. I looked on my phone recently, and I have 29 food apps on my phone. <laughs> they say the average phone user now has 80 apps on their phone, but I have 29. I got way more than 80, by the way. But I got 29 phone apps. And so every time we hear the word fasting, you know what we're thinking is, oh man, I got to delete all those apps. <laughs> I've got to eliminate something in my life. And so that automatically sounds like a downer. It sounds negative. Not only were they getting an accusation and Jesus' words getting accusation, but really Jesus uses this idea. And I believe he wants to use even what I'm talking about today in some of these scriptures to open us up to there's another way to live and another way to view fasting. I believe some of us in here, God has been working in your life. God has been, been ordering your steps. He's building you up. He's, he's strengthening your relationship with God. You are coming into, some of you for the first time, your own faith. Some of you is for the first time. You had to literally leave home to come to this campus at this season of your life, to come face to face with the reality of where your relationship with God is at. And some of you are beginning to take those strides. And let me encourage you, some of you, God is calling into something called fasting. You say, fasting, what is that? Fasting in the Bible is connected with abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. And so fasting, it's not just something that Christianity holds, Judaism, I mean, Islam, there's other religions even in the world where, where fasting is a part of the religion. Now it's even become a part of our diet system. I mean, there's intermittent fasting people do. And man, there's a bazillion other diets out there if you just walk through Barnes & Noble. 
this idea that if I do without food, it actually can be to my benefit. The revelation that Jesus wants them to get, I believe is the same one that Jesus wants us to get today. And look at his answer when they, they kind of present this accusation to Jesus. I'm fascinated that out of all the things, all the ways that Jesus could have answered them and said, man, leave me alone or, or leave my disciples alone or, or what, what are you talking about? He actually responds to their question, their challenge with another question. Y'all know Jesus is good at asking questions. I bet many of you got questions about God, questions about what you're going through, questions about your future. I'm going to tell you, God is so good at asking you a better question. And that's what he does. He asks them a question. And look at his question. Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? You see, let me compare real quick. Most of us think fasting is about I get rid of something because it's a duty and I'm supposed to do this. When for Jesus, he says, no, 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 you're looking at this idea of fasting wrong. Fasting is actually an opportunity for you to realize your identity as my bride. Now, let me help because I can feel the tinge already. All the guys in here is like, man, what are you talking about? Yes, in the Bible, guys, we get to be the bride of Christ. Just like ladies in the Bible, you get to be sons of God. These are important terms, but it helps us. And and I'll say, notice he did not say that you get to be the wife of Christ. He says that we're like bridegrooms. I got engaged to my wife on Christmas 2005. It was such a nerve-wracking and trying time and moment, I actually forgot to get down on the knee. Sorry, honey. If you're watching online, (laughs) still sorry. Um, I forgot. I was so nervous. I walked around with this ring for months. She didn't know it. You know how hard it is to cover up a big old box? You know, there's this expectation. You have to have the box, guys. I'm just helping some guy out right now. You, you have to have the box when you open it. So where does a guy hide a box? I mean, that's, that's the, you know, we, we don't get man purses like you ladies do. So I'm, I'm literally just hand in my pocket for months, anytime we were together, looking for the right time because I wasn't really smart at planning like the exact right moment. And I remember us getting engaged. And I remember we, we wound up being engaged for about a year and a half. I remember the journey to the altar. It was awesome. It was a lot of stressful nights. It was a lot of planning. It was a lot of moments where we're trying to figure it all out and what are we going to do and where are we going to move and where are we going to live? She was in Texas and I was in the greater Nashville area. And you know what I, I really easily did? It was not hard at all in the planning to forget to eat. It was not hard at all to get to such a place where, you know, again, for her, she's combing through bridal magazines and looking up photographers and and making phone calls and doing emails and checking up on deposits and doing these different things. And because she was a bride, because she was betrothed to be married, because she was looking forward to this great day, she was able to even miss some meals sometimes. And can I pose to you that fasting is not you fighting God and fighting your flesh solely. But fasting is really about you facing God and what he's done through Jesus. And you going from the idea that the fasting is a duty to it really being a delight, an opportunity for you to reframe your relationship with him. See, some of us in here, it's not that we don't know God, it's that we need a refreshing in our relationship with God. And let me tell you what God has done. He's given us an access card. It's called fasting. And if we will use it, we'll actually step into a renewed relationship. 
Every, every married person that's in this room will tell you, if, if they will spend time actually reflecting on how they got married, the way that God put them together with their spouse, the way that it all worked out, the initial thing that attracted and drew that, them to that other person, you know what? They'll go back to that state of, man, I, I'm, I'm just a bridegroom or a bride-to-be. I'm waiting for the wedding day. And let me appeal to you today that if you will see fasting in this way and you'll begin to implement it into your life, you'll find similarly a renewed relationship with God. You see, fasting really is feasting. And today as I wrap up, the thing I want you guys to hear is really it's an invitation. Look at this last verse of what we read today. It says this, verse 35 of chapter 5 of Luke. It says, but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And in those days, they'll fast. In those days, they'll fast. What, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, listen, one day I'm with them right now. These are my disciples. They, this is not their fasting zone. But one day I'm going to leave them. And the time that I'm not physically here on this planet, that will be the season when fasting is allowed. You know, there won't be fasting in heaven. Praise the Lord. I, I didn't hear one amen for that. I'll never forget in college, and I don't know what your experience has been with fasting to this point, but I, I was around a group of people where we talked about the crazy Christians starting a church. I mean, let me say it this way. The easiest churches to be planted have already been planted. The easiest cities to reach have already been won. A third of the planet right now is walking around not having heard of Jesus, and even there are thousands of people groups that don't even have the Bible translated into their own language. They in need of a church in their proximity. There's categories. Missiologists study these things, and it's dwindling, though, thank God. There's been a lot of effort in our, in our generation in this. But man, you talk about a time to fast and pray. This is it. And I was around this group of people. They, they were fasting and praying, believing God to start a new church in a city that I, I didn't even know people did that as a college student. I'm like, people start churches? Why would you start a church? There's a bazillion other churches. You need to start a new one? And you're going to trust that you're going to reach people that don't know Jesus? Doesn't everybody know Jesus or kind of can go to one of these churches? And what I realized is the heart of access that they, they continued to offer and connect with God through was prayer and fasting. They fasted every week of the year, once a week, every week of the year. Every Friday, this group, they, they would get together on Tuesdays and Fridays at 6.30 in the morning and pray. I thought, man, I didn't know 6.30 existed. I remember as a college student showing up to prayer at 6.30. Oh, my gosh, man. Okay. We were supposed to pray this early. I, I don't even know what to eat or drink this early. And I remember my faith starting to grow as I would spend time connecting with God. And then I started this idea of fasting. Now, now fasting, when I first started as a college student, was literally like self-crucifixion. Not to make little of, of many of our brothers and sisters getting tortured for the faith all over the globe, but for me, that's what it felt like, self-torture. I mean, I was, I, was, I was just on the inside. I mean, it, all I had to do is say I was going to fast, and suddenly my stomach just started nodding up and going, you know, bubbly. And I realized this flesh that the Bible talks about and that uh, my, my pastors had talked about, this is such a real thing that I usually just keep it under the surface by just eating the next meal. That usually, my, you know, food had, had been my coping mechanism to make through all the different stresses, highs and lows of life. That food in many ways, just like for Adam and Eve, what do we find? The first sin connected with food. What do we find? The first temptation connected with food. And what it, is, is food a bad thing? No. But the reality was that I used food so much, it was actually leading me 
every ad I watched, every inkling I have for whatever I wanted to taste or eat, I had no control, so to speak, as the Bible says, over my own vessel. And so fasting taught me to wake up, to sober up to the reality that much of my day in life, I make decisions without even consulting God. Much of my reality as a, as a young person and making decisions at the time, it, it, was, it was built on what I felt, not on what God said. And I love what Jesus said. Again, this is the invitation because he says, hey, the days are coming when they'll fast. And the invitation is, is like what he said in Matthew 6, that when you fast, just like he said, when you pray, there's, there's this, this sense of, you know what, fasting is not going to stop when I leave. It's actually going to continue. My followers are going to enter into a deeper relationship with me through losing a few meals. I think about all this and I, I close here really with the reality that I could see if we had a Jesus that just told us to do things, but I always see a Jesus who did it first. You see, the good news today is we're not just talking about fasting. Jesus isn't just throwing out some ideas. He already has done this. Scriptures say in Matthew 4 that he spent 40 days and 40 nights in the desert battling Satan. When did Satan show up? He had been fasting. He had been fighting his own flesh and, and, and saying no and on purpose subjugating himself to hear from God. And, and that Satan came to him and his first temptation was, hey, why don't you turn some stone into bread? Just like the first temptation was for food for the first Adam. Jesus said, no, I ain't going for that one. Man does not live on bread alone, but on what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He quotes Deuteronomy 8. See, Jesus knew his Bible. That's why y'all need to know your Bible. Deuteronomy 8 says the exact same thing. This isn't a new thing. This is a, a continuation of everything that God's been trying to do. He's wanting his people to live not by what they can grab, but what they can receive. He's wanting us to be those that, that, that can receive from him freely as true nourishment for their souls. Some of you, some of the things you're going through, you're going to need to fast. Now, let me get a disclaimer real quick about fasting. People will go crazy, especially young people. You might have a health condition. You probably need to talk to your doctor. You might have problems previously with eating and food and all these different things. You need to talk to a professional. But let me tell you equally as well, you need to trust the Holy Spirit to lead you in fasting. You say, Pastor Delvin, what, what are you meaning by all this? Not only did Jesus fast is for 40 days and 40 nights, he had the ultimate fast. You see, it, it, the Bible says this, the night that he was betrayed, he actually ate a meal with his disciples. He had this, this moment where they would have stayed up all night recounting how good God had been to the children of Israel. It's just like your life. He's been good to you whether you believed it or not or trusted it or not. It's just, it's just he just keeps showing up, but he can't be nothing but good. And God has showed up in the children of Israel's life so much so that they every year would celebrate how he had brought them out of Egypt and, and moved them forward in their lives. And they would have stayed up all night celebrating how God had delivered, knowing that Jesus, knowing, sorry, that he was going to go to the cross the very next day. And Jesus, in a real sense, he spent all morning not eating, not going to get one more coffee run to Starbucks before I go to the cross or, you know, I got one more snack. He spent it suffering, excruciating pain. They literally came up with a term and, and its own form of death penalty to, to, to make a public spectacle. Anybody that does something against the Roman authorities, they crucified him. They beat him. And he went to the cross and he said something powerful that I want to repeat to us this morning. He said, I thirst. 
Was it just because he was thirsty? I believe it's connected to all this. He's, he was fasting for us. He went from feasting to fasting so you can now step into the feast of heaven. And see, the invitation for each one of us is to learn how to live our lives in such a way where we receive from God freely. I, if, if there's something that I believe God wants us to do is, is he wants us to pray about fasting and to do it slow. What is it that God's putting on your heart today? Maybe, maybe it's simply skipping a meal soon. And you say, man, is it about skipping a meal? No, it's about actually instead of eating, it's actually going to receiving. I'm going to not spend the time that I would be digesting food. I'm going to spend the time talking to my father, listening to him, reading his word in prayer. There's a lot of stuff in the world to pray and fast about right now. I don't know if you noticed. There's a lot of stuff in your family's life. I don't know if you noticed to pray and fast about. Should you hurry and go do this? No, you should do this slowly. Why? Because you should be led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert. You should be led by the Holy Spirit as you fast. Secondly, not just fast slow, but do this often. There should be some regular rhythms in your year where you say, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to get with God. I'm not just going to go through the daily motions. Again, it's great to worship. It's great to serve. It's great to read our Bibles. It's great to pray. But this breaks up the monotony that's somewhere down in our soul, in our broken vessel, this body. And when we take time to fast, it actually brings us again back to access with the Father. I believe today that, that the Lord is challenging us to, to ask him what he wants us to do. So we're going to take a moment right now to do that. And regardless of where you're at in your faith, this is an opportunity and an invitation. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much you love us. Thank you the, the, the cross is that ultimate engagement sign, Lord, from heaven, that you want to be with us. But it's also the sign that we can pick up our cross and die every day. Lord, you're inviting us, Lord, as young people, as, as lay people, as, as staff, as those from the community, those online. You're inviting us, Lord, into the feast. Lord, so often, Lord, we, we, we look for things that are temporary to satisfy us. But God, I thank you. The natural hunger we have, it pales in comparison to the true spiritual hunger we have in our souls. And Lord, only you can satisfy the, the weary souls that are in here, the, the dry souls that are in here, the broken situations that are represented here, the, the confusion that's in here, the doubt, the insecurity. Lord, the, even the judgments of others. Lord, you, you're the one that can break through all of that. And Lord, by your spirit, you can open our hearts to you. Lord, I pray that we would begin to tap into the access we have with you. Lord, that we would not leave anything on the table, Lord, of, of giving up something for you. Lord, thank you that, that what you have paid is nothing compared to what you ask us to pay. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak to each one of us. Lord, what, what type of fast should we do? When should we fast? Where can we fast? Don't let us be the believers that overlook this as an important spiritual discipline. And Lord, I pray for transformative times. I pray for an open heaven. I pray for clarity as people fast. I pray as, as we're obedient, Lord, you would meet us in power and in glory, and God, you would show up and that you would do great and mighty things that we would even be amazed at. Lord, not to our glory, but to yours. Lord, thank you for all the results. 
We see it throughout history. When people fasted and prayed, breakthrough happened. I'm praying for breakthrough for each one of my friends as they seek you. In Jesus' name, amen.